welcome to episode 81 of the Designy Deals podcast. This episode will be the live episode. Our second ever live episode. And it was a panel with three people who were fantastic. We hosted this in New York in front of an audience of about 70 people. Uh, so much fun. We want to do more live shows soon. I think our next one will be in San Francisco. That is probable. That is probable. So keep your ears, eyes, and noses open. We'll be talking more about that on our Twitter account, at Design Details FM. Follow along. And on here. And of course, on the show. We opened up all the tickets to our Slack team first. So if you want to get first dibs, uh, that's where to go. To join our Slack team, go to spec.fm slash Slack. Before we get into the panel, we wanted to give a huge, huge thank you to everyone at Etsy that gave us the space. And they made it so easy. Yes. It was incredible. They gave us space. They organized it. They brought food and drinks for everyone. You know uh, who you are, Aaron Moody. Aaron Moody, Fuller Stecker, Diana Mounter. All of you at Etsy, thank you so much for making this possible. Uh, we had a ton of fun meeting so many people and recording. So yes, thank you once again to Etsy. We also have two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, as always, Dropbox. Dropbox, I mean, just like it's always behind this podcast, it's always behind your files. It's always syncing them up, always taking care of everything. Uh, it's the simplest way to work the way you want. When you're sketching or coding or prototyping, Dropbox has everything covered throughout the entire design process. It works with any kind of file, so you're free to choose whatever tools you want to use for whatever project you're working on, whatever you're building. Just do what works for you, and Dropbox will take care of the rest. When you're ready for feedback, you can send large files to anyone super fast. Just preview them on the website instead of having them download it and sync everything up over a long time. And their commenting feature gives people a central place to post their thoughts. So that way, conversations are seamless. They happen right alongside the work. They're all kept in the same place. Less emails, less Slack messages. It's just all right where you'd expect it to be on the file. Dropbox gives you the freedom to work on anything from anywhere with anyone you choose. And you can get started at dropbox.com. Thank you once again to Dropbox. Our second sponsor is Wayno. That's U-E-N-O.co. They are one of our favorite agencies in the world, cranking out amazing work for clients like Airbnb, Medium, Lonely Planet, Google, New Reuters app, Fitbit, and of course, Dropbox, among others. They also describe themselves as the all-dancing, all-singing, fast-growing, not-quite-bourgeois, not-quite-bohemian, full-service digital agency. And that's... I love that they take themselves a little less seriously so they can have fun with it. That's amazing. Yeah, and their team is amazing. Uh, we've got to meet them at their offices. And of course, we've had Hallie, the founder, on our show twice. They're sponsoring this podcast just because they listen to the podcast. They like it. They want to support it. And they want people like you who are listening to this podcast just to know that they exist. They are truly a world-class agency doing wonderful design work. And they are hiring. The last designer they hired was a listener. So if you need a job, go to wayno.co. They just opened an office in New York. They have an office here in San Francisco. So if you're in either of those places or actually just ready for a move, go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O.co. Check out their work. They have a careers link at the top of the page. I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Tell them that Design Details sent you. And thank you once again to Wayno. And thank you once again to Wayno. We really appreciate you sponsoring the show. And with that, let's get into episode 81 which is our live show at Etsy. So this is our first meetup in New York ever, actually. First meetup ever. This is our first live show without mandatory attendance. <laughs> <laughs> that too, yeah. 
who's listened to the podcast before? Just so we get an idea. Dan has. Okay. Okay. So most people. For people that haven't heard it, there's a few. The Design Details podcast, we like to sit down with some of our favorite designers, pick their brains, just try and understand uh, how they became a designer, what's important to them, how they make decisions, and create products that we all use. But also just get to know them. And just get to know them. Yeah. It's less of an interview, more of a conversation. Uh, this is our first panel, so it's going to be a little bit of a different format uh, than anything we've ever done before. So uh, we're trying it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And that we're just about a year in. So we've talked to a lot of cool people and we're really excited to be here doing this. As all episodes of our show start, we let our guests introduce themselves in their own words. We've had Justin on the show a couple weeks ago. Joel and Jessica are new. So we'll just start and you guys can introduce yourself in your own words. So uh, Justin, since however, he's done this before. However fine, you want the audience fine, to know you. Fine. OG. <laughs> um, I'm Justin. Um, I was a product designer at Pinterest for four years. Um, I was actually the first product design hire there. Um, built a bunch of stuff like rich pins and secret boards and place pins. Um, before that, I was at Carnegie Mellon uh, studying communication design at the School of Design there. Um, lots of Swiss typography and and making cubes and stuff. Um, and I actually grew up in New York, so I'm actually here just visiting my family um, and hanging out. But as yeah. soon as we finished recording his episode, we're like, "Hey, so we're gonna be in New York. We don't know if <laughs> our guests are gonna fall through or not." He's like, "Yeah, it was." the best. So thank you for doing that. I'm Jessica Harley. I'm a senior product designer here at Etsy. Um, I work on the seller experience team um, where I design and build tools for Etsy sellers. Um, In addition to that, I also embroider emoji and I sell that on Etsy. (laughs) What's it called? What's your just embroidered emoji? Yeah. I mean, my shop is my last name, Harley, um, but it's all emoji. Okay. Uh, hey, I'm Joel Khalifa. I uh, am product design lead at DigitalOcean. We do cloud hosting for developers. Um, before then, I was at Amicus, another startup. We did um, outreach tools for nonprofits. And at Parsons, I was studying design and technology, actually, uh, some people over here. And yeah, I've been kind of designing and developing most of my life. And I've been bad at it for most of my life. And now I'm, I think, a bit better. First question. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made? Can't say this. Yeah, oh, not boy. the show. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with Joel. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with Joel. I told you we'd have yeah, some. Yeah, becoming hard friends with Justin was my biggest mistake. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I probably don't know about it yet. Like, probably it's something I'm doing right now, or like not this. But <laughs> don't worry. Thank you. Right, but. Um, yeah, it's hard for me. I don't think I, I have like a lot of, you know, He's regrets. Never, mistake. never done it. Yeah, what's a mistake? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I've probably made a ton of mistakes, but all of them have kind of led me here. There's nothing I really regret or would have done differently, I guess. Um, and I'm probably still making a lot of mistakes all the time, but just getting a bit better each time. I don't know if that's, I mean, it's definitely a cop-out kind of answer, but I can't think of bit. something on the spot. <laughs> no, that's great. It's an elegant answer. Yes. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat, I guess. Like, there are definitely, like, micro mistakes that you can kind of make, but I don't really regret a lot. And I think, you know, everything kind of, like, leads to something bigger for a reason, I guess. And so, you know, I don't think, like, look back and think about mistakes and regret them um, because I'm here now and I'm happy now. So, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't really think like that. 
<laughs> I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are we talking like life mistakes or design mistakes? <laughs> <Sure> . like, <laughs> why not? <laughs> oh man. I mean, I make mistakes a lot and I don't know. I mean, one time I committed code that wasn't behind an experiment thing and then kind of might have leaked a product launch to TechCrunch the night before it was supposed <laughs> to go live. Um, like things like that. But I mean, like the, the thing about mistakes is like, you know, like, like Joel and Harley said, like they're, they're, they're all learning experiences. And so um, like you feel really bad about them when you do it, but over some, you know, variable amount of time, I feel like, you kind of like learn from that and understand why you did that and realize that, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Also a cop out answer. <laughs> like at the end of the day, sometimes I'll think back to like smaller conversations I had and think like, Oh my God, I can't believe I said that. That was so dumb or like whatever. But then, you know, over time it kind of dissipates, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I think you learn from it too. You're like, I can't believe I said that. If that happens like 10 times in a row, you probably, <laughs> it's probably, it's probably a mistake probably to remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know this is terrible audio, but could you raise your hand if you're a designer? Most people, uh, raise your hand if you've been a designer for less than five years. A lot of people. Okay. Three years. So we'd love to know what advice you would give to a young designer getting started? It's a question that Bryn and I get a lot uh, in the Slack team, and we flip that and ask a lot of our guests, what advice would you give to someone that's just getting started out and wants to be a product designer? I can do this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, document everything is one that's that I, yeah. <laughs> that's I got an email from someone actually a couple days ago and it literally read like a panic attack. Um, but they were like, yeah, like I didn't document all of the things that I needed at my previous jobs, but I have to make a portfolio. And it's like, what do I do? Um, but yeah, no, the answer is document absolutely everything. Like have a separate hard drive that you put all your work on and just never like connect it to your computer until you need to back something up. Like that's, I, I literally have the entire Pinterest Dropbox on a hard drive. Maybe we don't say that on the record. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I worked on most of this, that stuff. Um, but it's, it's important to have a record of your work and it's important to also have a record of the process of your work. So like document everything doesn't just mean like your shiny final products, but also like make the saves in between and like make sure that you have like all of the like really important, um, pieces of the evolution of this thing that you made because without it like all you have to go on is like what's live and what's live isn't going to be live forever right um i think for me it's become comfortable with being wrong and like expect to be wrong um like i remember the first time i watched usability testing at etsy um was the first time i had ever had something that i made tested and it was like totally horrifying like you know i wanted to like yell through the screen and just be like no like over there like click over there like do this thing like why don't you get it and you know it's easy to look at that and be like oh i did this wrong or like um you know like why don't they understand this like it's so obvious but i think you kind of have all these other inputs that you need to be able to do good work and um like usability testing is like a great example of you know you want to be wrong because you want to learn from that and use it in your work to become better. 
Nice. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's if you're trying to to get into product design, right, and get a nice product design job, or even get better at the craft itself. To me, it's it's really about intentionality. I guess it's about like every decision you make has to have some kind of reasoning behind it, right? You should be doing everything for a reason. It might not be a good reason yet, but you shouldn't just do things just because, right? And I think it's the same with your career. When you, I mean, you can design your career essentially, right? You can look at, say, I want to be a product designer at company type A. So you look at five companies type A, what are they looking for? And you start building towards that, right? So yeah, it's about kind of looking ahead and making intentional decisions instead of just like letting life take you wherever. That's actually sounds like really shitty advice when I think about it. Like, like, yeah, never be spontaneous ever again. So yeah, obviously, obviously that's not what I mean. Um, but yeah, but like have a, a bit more intentionality about like directing your life in the right direction, right? You can let things happen. It's fine. But, um, you can direct yourself, I think is, and I think that's a, a really empowering thought too. On, on a similar vein, uh, we talked to a lot of people that they want to get into product design. Uh, they don't quite know how, so we've talked a little bit about that. What was your first uh, job? How did you start getting paid for being a designer? Like what was that, that journey? Uh, maybe not the life story uh, for the sake of time, <laughs> but I think it's important to like understand that this can happen in many different ways. So I'd love to hear how you guys started getting paid to design. Yeah, so I went to design school. It was graphic design school, but it was design school. Um, and one of the alums there, Lee Byron, well, he was a senior when I, I was a freshman, and then he graduated. He went to Facebook, and I was like, whoa, I didn't know that was a thing that you could do. Um, who even builds the internet? Yeah, like who who does that, right? Like it's Just a black um, box somewhere. And so... <laughs> Um, you know, he came back as a part of Facebook and we talked and, and essentially it was like, Hey, like, you know, if you, if you build and ship something, then there's a good chance that you can get an internship at Facebook. So I was like, you know, like th that seems like a cool thing to do. Like I wasn't really super into Facebook, but, um, it was getting more popular. Um, and so I did, and then I got an internship there and then everything just kind of spiraled off of that. But it was mostly like many things in my life, just being in the right place at the right time and like being able to like connect with people and, and kind of like understanding that like, you know, like through talking to people, like other things like start, like opportunities start to appear and kind of open themselves. Um, and also like having to put the work into like build and ship something in a year. <laughs> can I add on that? Uh, yeah. And you two can address as well. Is it more important to, to, be putting yourself out there and meeting people like Lee Byron, or is it more important to be building things? I, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. I mean, I think that it's, it's a little bit of both and it also depends on the kind of person you are, right? Like there's some people that are much better at like putting themselves out there and like meeting people and talking to them and like getting to know them. I'm not one of those people, but then there are also people that are much better at like focusing on something being, you know, solo and just like, cranking on this thing that they want to see happen and just doing it. Um, and that's what I was good at in school. Like I was very, very good at just like staying in my dorm room and just doing stuff. Um, and so I think it's a little bit of both. 
Because I think that you have to talk to people to like make connections, but you also have to build things to make people, you know, kind of care about the stuff that you're making and like um, show them that you're someone that, you know, beyond how awesome you are as a human being, someone that has like real tangible skills that can, you know, help them in whatever it is that they're doing. It's amazing how much shipping like one thing. Yeah, it's just one thing. Open so many doors. One thing. It's crazy. Um, one thing in a few tweets. <laughs> Yeah, I guess like um, the first time I ever got paid to do product design work was um, like at my first job at an ad agency. Um, and I also went the like, I was going to say traditional. And now days I don't even know if it is the traditional route. But yeah, I went to school for design um, and then had an internship um, at a digital agency. And I had spent like high school kind of like learning HTML and like building websites. And by that, I mean like customizing my live journal. And so like I'd just done all this stuff kind of for fun. Um, and then that drew me into design school, which drew me to get an internship at a local agency. Um, but even there, like it wasn't product design work really. It was a lot of like micro sites and like stuff like that, um, which I quickly realized I just hated doing. <laughs> um, and we had a client that actually wanted us to build um, like a web application for them. And it was for a moving company. And so I guess like that was my first taste of what product design is, where you kind of get into like long-term decision-making and um, like you think about all these flows and interactions instead of just like, how can we sell running shoes, you know, which like just did not interest me. Um, And that's when I started looking toward like companies and like going in-house actually. Um, So that was the first time that I was, paid for product design but you know again i was like doing a lot of related kind of web stuff like long before that was it building that that led directly to it or did you know some people who connected you um so my next job after that was at kickstarter and i just emailed them i like saw that they had a position and i was living in virginia and they were in new york and i was sick of living in Virginia and I wanted a design community and I was had backed a couple of Kickstarter projects. And so I just emailed them and I said, I'm like super passionate about what you're doing. Like I, you know, haven't worked at another company like this before, but you know, I'm sick of working at an agency and having clients and I want to build something and like deeply care about it for years. Um, and so that's how I got in at Kickstarter, just emailing them. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like the hardest way to get it. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah, just cold email everyone from now on. <laughs> Every company. You know what people need? More email. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I hear. Um, so for me, um, I got into HTML and design around the same time. I think I was like this nerdy little kid, uh, in contrast to like a nerdy adult. Um, <laughs> Which and, we're not. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> um, and I, I was playing a lot of like Counter Strike and a lot of Neopets. Has anyone God, done that? Neopets is a running. Do you guys thing remember with us. Neopets? That's it's a, great. It's that's actually, quite the contrast, actually. <laughs> I needed to balance out my life. <laughs> um, so uh, basically, like both of these things required some form of like website, right? Because you have a Counter Strike clan and you have like a Neopets something i don't even remember um like the amount of people neopets actually that i know <laughs> yeah neopets clan you fight other neopets um 
the amount of people I know actually who learned HTML through Neopets is insane. Like yeah, well, ridiculous. You, you had to like set up your profile and stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. only in HTML. I it remember is, this part. It was brilliant. I, I also I'm I'm in that camp as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did not have a Neopet. Really? Good call. Just Good a call. couple of Good live call. journals though. Okay. Maybe okay, it's you're, maybe you're it's an age journal. age gap thing. Like if you're over a certain age, Neopets wasn't a thing. Maybe so. I think that is just. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think like thinking back, I think <laughs> Neopets was prolific for yeah, a very long time. <laughs> this is a new, I feel like the theme is going to be Neopets. So this is, uh, <laughs> That's entirely up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I I started doing this, and I just I guess I kept doing it, um, and making like you know shitty Photoshop posters with like poster eyes and like uh, neon edges. Was what was it called? You know what I mean? Edges? Yeah. Glowing edges. edges, yes, and like difference clouds, like all the yep. all the fun Photoshop <laughs> yeah, stuff, right? Difference um, clouds over and over and over, over, over and over. Again. But did you use bubbles? <laughs> I like the render add noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Control noises. F, control F, blur. Yeah. No, there was a whole era of that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yes, yeah, started out with like super tacky things. Um, kept going with that for like ten years, I think. Um, but <laughs> so that brings me up to now. <laughs> o- only member left of Neopets. <laughs> right. If you open up DigitalOcean, you'll see. Like, Joel actually runs Neopets. Yeah. DigitalOcean. Yeah. Our cloud is actually a difference cloud. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, anyway, I, um, when I was about 15, I got a job um, or like a summer internship making. Um, like a tech, a high tech company back then, uh, their intranet. You guys, when intranets were a cool thing, it's like an internal company intranet, um, as you could have summed up from the name. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. Wait, an internal net. <laughs> yeah, so I made those, um, and those had like those, like you know, those huge aqua buttons that were really cool back in the day. Lickable. Lickable. Yeah. That was the heuristic for my aqua buttons, just to make sure they were lickable. Um, so I remember like this company didn't have Photoshop, and that's all I ever used. They only had one license for Flash. And so I, ha- I ended up having to design this entire like static website in Flash. That was really fun. So that was the first time I was ever paid for design. Um, really weird experience. And then, I mean, it left me not being paid for design for the next couple of years again. Um, but I, I mean, I kept doing things. I started being more and more interested in, um, in like actual design. I started reading a list apart and other things, um, smashing magazine and getting more into it at a certain point. Um, I started working as an eight at an agency, not as an agency, um, as a visual designer. And we had like, it was very waterfally. We had like a UX department then a visual department, then like front end, back end, et cetera. Um, and I was really interested in UX, but I just didn't know what I was doing. And actually, like, I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of visual design. Like, I'd gotten better over time, but uh, I didn't have the foundation. So, at that point, I went back to school. This is kind of my life story. I'm sorry. <laughs> you said not to, and then I did anyway. We can just talk about Neopets if you prefer. <laughs> back to Neopets. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, like at that point, I was kind of getting interested in like Hacker News. I was doing a lot more uh, development work. And um, huge mistake, really huge mistake. Yeah, I'm in tech now. I hate it. Um, Wait, really? No, I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's like we can talk about this. <laughs> Just already now. Designer questions. counseling. Yeah, I mean, 
basically like everything started for me like when I went back to school I came to New York for a school for Parsons and I went to like a Y Combinator event here and that's where I kind of started networking meeting a lot of companies and got my first job as a product designer um, yeah and that kind of just kept leading up to new things but yeah so I guess um, when you were asking like is it more important to meet people or to make stuff I, I do think like both can lead you there, right? The current job I got by making my portfolio, the previous job I got by just like meeting the right people at the right time. Let's let's talk about stuff that I think most designers are experiencing either on, on one side of the coin or the other, and that's mentorship. Uh, something Bryn's been thinking a lot about. He wrote a long article. Uh, what's been the most valuable mentorship experience for you? And that can be either as a mentor or being mentored. I think that for me, a lot of my early time at Pinterest when it was just me and Evan was really valuable. Um, Evan's the designer co-founder at Pinterest that kind of stopped doing design once he hired me because he didn't have to. Um, But um, it was really helpful having someone to kind of talk to about like the things I was making but also the things that i was like feeling while i was making these things um and kind of getting that getting feedback from someone i guess um and i don't know i work really well when i know people really well obviously um but it was it was a it was a really good like kind of like two-way relationship i think where i didn't really feel um like stressed or bad because he was my boss about saying like, Hey, you did this wrong. Um, I would actually very often say you did this wrong. And like, he'd be like, okay, like that's good. Um, and like, we would talk about like why I thought that something was done wrong. And like, he would say like, Oh yeah, like I probably should have done this or this or this. Um, and you know, similarly towards me as well, like when, when I did things wrong, um, or cause you know, it was my first job. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, um, for the most part, at least, like I'd been at Facebook for you three months. You can't go to Facebook and be wrong. Well, I mean, this was at Pinterest, <laughs> um, but I don't know. It was a it was a really good experience for me, and you know, it it, it actually reminded me. I, I also had a similar experience with one of my professors um, at Carnegie Mellon, who actually was a photographer um, and not a product designer. But it was really it's. I think that the best mentorship experiences are one where you can be open with the person that is your mentor and not necessarily like defensive or, or like withholding because they're your senior. It's more Um, of a two way. It's yeah. It's much more of a two way kind of thing. Um, I think some of my like best relationships that I've learned a lot out of aren't necessarily in like a traditional, like mentor, like teacher student kind of way. Kind of like what Justin was saying. Um, I think it's like, really close friends who like you kind of are going through some of like similar things together and you can like talk it out with them and you can like cry at them and like text them angsty things and like you (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know you're kind of like working through your emotions with them and um because I think a lot of the things that I you know I think there's like the learning of like learning to kind of grow in your career and like learning like how to like grow to the next level as a designer. But I think there's also just like learning to understand yourself and like learning to like process your emotions. Um, 
especially with like connected to like the things that you're working on. Like, you know, we get so close to the things that we make that sometimes I think the perspective of like a really close friend can help you um, just like work through all of that and learn more about yourself. And likewise, you know, you can kind of help each other um, like grow together to sound, I don't know, like mushy and cute. (laughs) (laughs) So I think those have been like some of the most like rewarding Um, like growth experiences for me instead of maybe like a more traditional like teacher kind of thing. Yeah. um, I've also never had like someone I would call a mentor. um, Not formalized? You had like formalized mentorship? It was just a relationship Not really. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Um, I have learned like a lot from people. Like obviously I'm not just pulling stuff out of the air, right? Um, I start most things out just not knowing anything and the way I get somewhere is by like talking to people with more experience than me. Um, I mean, that said, I've, I've heard incredible experiences from like anyone who has had a mentor or someone who really like pushes them and makes them better and like gives their experience. Um, and I would love one. Like if anyone's listening to this, <laughs> I'll be and wants to be my mentor. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a hard thing to ask, or like it's like a deeply personal thing to ask of someone to be like, "Will you be my mentor?" And you know, maybe it's kind of like built up in our heads. But yeah, I've like never asked that of someone, probably because I'm so afraid the, to. The problem is it's weird because people have asked that of me, but really? I've never asked. We, we have That's this interesting. weird model in how we talk about mentorship, which it's always like this, like. Yoda Luke thing, right? Like, <laughs> that's not how any of it works, right? It's like, can you hop on my back, please, and mentor me? <laughs> that's how yeah. I'm gonna ask every time. Now. <laughs> that would be a great way to mentor. Just be like super mysterious about stuff. Talk backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Talk backwards. Okay, so you need mentors, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just open call. Anyone listening? Wants to be a mentor. We'll have a sign-up sheet in the back. <laughs> Joel's mentor. I'll have like seven mentors by the end of the night. That's fine. I'm good with that. Uh, you, you mentioned something earlier about designing your career that I thought was interesting because it seems like all of us here have had sort of this spontaneous road as a designer. Um, you meet someone, you start working, it's unexpected. Uh, so that's why I think it's interesting to plan ahead for what you want to do as a designer. Thinking ahead's really hard and am- ambiguous. Uh, so maybe this is sort of a, a tough question, but where do you want to be as a designer in like five years? Like, what do you this want? This is a trademark Brian like job interview question. What, you are pulling out. What do you want to be working on? Really like, difficult is it, is it enough? Seriously? Is it enough to be working on a website? Do and if it is, is that's great. Like, what do you There's want? There's only one right answer, and it's robots. <laughs> it's nanobots. Bryn's answers are simple. Oh, that's scary. I hope you guys have more <laughs> more eloquent answers. Uh, it's hard. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah I can start. Um, it's funny because like I am such a planner and I am like so deeply organized and that's like a like huge part of who I am and I like plan things all the time. But as far as my career, and I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently, like. I have no idea what I want to do in like the next five years and like career wise. And I'm like comfortable with that, I think. And um, like, I've never really had this like super long-term vision for where I see myself going, which 
again, is like counter to everything that I know about myself. Um, so I think sometimes it's for me, it's kind of been, you know, I hit a point and I'm like, I have to make a decision and something currently isn't working and I need to fix it. And usually I know like what the next step should be, but I'm not really thinking in the long term, um, which maybe I should start doing. But um, I think something that's been on my mind a lot recently is, you know, and Joel and I were kind of talking about this earlier is like, do you you hit at a point in your career where you kind of have to make a call and you say, do I want to become a manager or do I want to be making stuff forever? And I think that is something that's been on my mind a lot because I love making stuff and I love building things and I think about it all the time, but I also find myself kind of gravitating toward more like managery things. Like maybe it's like my organizational brain doing that, but you know, it's, it's not like out of the question for me to like, um, stop making things and transition into like more of a manager role. And, you know, that is maybe what the five-year plan is, but I don't know for sure. And I think that's okay. Can we, can we talk about this? Why, why is the manager track like the perceived level up from being a designer? Like we actually talked to Tobias for Jones about this today. Why? He still is like drawing on paper and doing like Bezier's like every single day. And I was like, what? You've been in this forever, and you're like the most senior, and you're <laughs> you draw it every day. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it says a lot about like the. I don't know if it's just the tech culture. If he's somehow outside of that, where like the the perceived progression is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna build some products, like work on the design, uh, and then I'll be a manager, and then that's like the the step up. I don't know that it necessarily has to be that way. Do you guys? I don't think that do you experience that? that way. I mean, like I. I think that like, so at Pinterest, we have an IC track and a manager track. So people can decide and then continue to progress no matter what, it, which way they decide they want to go. Um, like for me, like my next step is like starting a company kind of, right? And like, that's kind of scary. And I'm not really sure if like I'm ready to do that. Is that a that. specific or like a generally, like, I just want to start a company? I think that, well, I mean, that, Breaking news. It, it kind of goes into my answer to the previous question which is like you know like in five years i i told myself that i would go to pinterest and then i would do my own thing after i left and i left and i was like wait (laughs) now i have to do this thing um but i think that it's more that i enjoy building things i'd like to continue building things but i'd like to build the things that kind of like fly around in my head all day every day um and following joel's advice always playing out every step i i I mean i kind of do um and i left pinterest not really knowing what i wanted to do and the more time that i've spent kind of like away from that kind of like full-time like technology company life the more i've realized that like what i want to do is kind of like build my own products whether that's with a team of like seven people or a team of 700 people like i don't really know but I know that there's a lot of things that I do want to see in the world and like multiples of that, seven regardless multiple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. exactly. Um, like there are things that, that there are solutions to problems or problems that I want to solve. And um, a company is really like the most convenient vehicle to solve them, I guess. Um, but I think that like for an IC, like for an individual contributor, that's kind of like the progression, right? Like you, you go from like making things at a company to making your own things, right? And then like 
or you can go from making things at a company to telling people how to make to things. managing people at a company, right? Um, cool. I I just transitioned to management, so I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> oh God! Here um, it goes. Do you share? Yeah, here's my life story. <laughs> no, um, first, it's not a step up. Like everyone should understand that it's a step sideways. Um, you're you're not doing like your work but in a different way, you're actually doing completely different work, right? Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this a lot. Like a lot of people in my company have kind of moved from individual contributors, like good individual contributors to management because they were good individual contributors. And none of that is applicable. That, like, that just removes one good individual contributor. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like absolutely uh-huh. none of that. So you have to kind of really learn a new craft like from the ground up. Um, but it's really satisfying. Right. So you're not doing the work you're doing, whether that's like, you know, illustration or design or whatever. Um, but you are doing work that can be really impactful. Right. You're you're essentially like, you know, you can say anything is designed, but you're designing processes. You're designing the lives of your employees, basically, well, at least at work or, or not. Design I mean, life, depending what kind of manager lives. you are. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, um, a trend here. <laughs> yeah. Just design everything. So designer cliche we think we do everything everyone's a designer yeah everyone's a designer everything is design designers rule the world sorry yeah tangent (laughs) (laughs) anyway um so i i think one of one of the problems and one of the reasons people see management as kind of the next step up is because people don't do a good job in creating the next step for individual contributors right they just like tap on okay now you're senior right we're paying you a bit more and it's like, yeah, but, you know, how am I growing? I think is the bottom line. Like, yeah, I'm getting slightly better every day, but where is the extra responsibility? Where, you know, where's all this stuff? And I think some companies do a good job in kind of crafting that next step and saying, no, you know what? It actually is a different job, right? Senior designers do this stuff where they move to this team, right? Or they, they're in charge of kind of a more holistic kind of design. Um, and I think in those companies, right, anywhere that's actually thinking about these things or, you know, designing it, um, it's, it's actually is like a legitimate next step to just, I'm going to be an individual contributor. I love making stuff, but I want to do more and I can. Um, with DigitalOcean, like we're still small and scrappy. Um, we didn't have that. So for me, it's just like, what is my next step here? Like, how can I grow? Probably not as a designer right now, right? When we grow, we'll have that opportunity to grow. Um, but moving to management was an opportunity for myself to like try new things and see if I can stretch myself. Uh, Aaron asked a really great question this morning that I would love to... Aaron. Aaron Moody. That I would love to start asking more people because I thought it was really interesting and, and brought up a great response. And it's, what keeps you up at night? And that can be good or bad things. <laughs> For Justin, it's his Apple TV. I've seen the pictures. No, it's not. Um, Beat sports. I, I think it's kind of like, what am I doing and is it the right thing? Um, I left Pinterest at a t- place where like, normally I wouldn't have done that. And I did it to force myself to be uncomfortable to kind of like try to figure stuff out. Um, And like, there's all these different thoughts that are kind of running through my brain at any given moment right now. And I'm still not really at the end of that phase, but it's just like, am I doing the right thing? 
do I really know what I'm doing? Um, and like, am I going to be able to like be successful at this like crazy plan that I have? Like, is it even a plan or is it just like, you know, passing thoughts that I'm kind of like grasping onto to make some sort of semblance of my situation? Um, and you know, that's everything from like, is starting something, something that like I can really do. Like, is, am I, am I, do I have the skills to actually pull that off? Um, to is San Francisco the right place to do it to if San Francisco isn't the right place to do it? Like, what do I do with like my life there? And so, I don't know. It's kind of scary, but I, I do stay up a late, a lot, very late thinking about that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> certainly can. Okay. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about just like taking care of myself and like just being like a basic human, like <laughs> eating. <laughs> no, seriously, because it's so easy to like throw yourself into work or like get caught up in something like on the side that you really want to do. But then when I do that. Like I don't eat healthy and I don't sleep well and I don't exercise. And like I'm learning more and more that having those things in my life um, make me a better person at work. And I'm better at my job if I can get up and exercise in the morning or if I don't eat like a shitty lunch or something like that. You know, so I think I'm thinking a lot about that and it's not really keeping me up at night, maybe more like forcing me to go to bed and not stay up late at night. <laughs> um, Cause I like go to bed at 10 PM and it's like wow. pretty, it's Jesus. pretty great. <laughs> you're my hero. How does that feel? When well, you because wake I get up, up at like 6 AM and I'll like go what? work out or I'll go run. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, do you people not do that? That's not okay. That's not okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be an adult, but I think it also like really makes me happy. And so like, you know, over the summer, um, instead of like signing up for another, like, weird project or like doing more like design work on the side. I signed up for half marathon and I like train for that every day. So I think like finding those like side projects that aren't really like helping maybe my, they are helping my design in like another way. But I think I'm constantly trying to think like, how can I just be like a functional human being and like also a designer? I think, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people don't think about those things as much. Mutually exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. I, think. Or a good I don't person. think it has to be mutual <laughs> Love that. Um, for me, it's hiring. That's my yeah. answer. No, um, <laughs> yeah, hiring is really hard, and that's kind of like a big source of stress for me lately. And that's actually probably keeping me up some nights. Uh, but I think like uh, more than that, or not more than that, but like the bigger picture. Um, I had like a panic attack a while ago, not like an actual one, but um, kind of like a mini, oh my God, holy shit, what am I doing? When um, I had just finished reading Ready Player One. Um, anyone read that? Three people. Um, anyway, so it's a really cool book about kind of the future and virtual reality. And it just like blew my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally the next thing. This makes a lot of sense. Like Facebook bought Oculus, like everything's happening. Uh, and then I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to be Yeah, I was it's like happening. Yeah, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm a 2D designer." I'm like in in 3 years I'm going to be obsolete. Like, "Oh my god, I'm like what like someone who doesn't do mobile or something or someone who's still a webmaster?" Like <laughs> Like like 5 years from now I'm just like, "I don't know how to do 3D UI. I'm sorry." And they're like, "You're not hired. Go away." And I'm just like, holy shit, how, like, I need to buy an Oculus, I need to do something. And I think that ties into, like, 
all the stuff there is to learn these days, right? Like, do I learn Framer? Do I learn like React? Do I learn better illustration skills? Like, do I get better at UX methodologies? And you're like, I, especially if you're like, you know, kind of do a bit of everything. It's like, I call it full stack anxiety because like, <laughs> that's good. That's Cause there's just like so much to learn. That's good. Yeah. So that, I mean, that definitely keeps me up at night. How do you break that down? Like, I imagine a lot of people feel the same way. It's like, do I learn sketch? Do I learn framer? Do I prototype? Do I code? Like, do you have a framework or, or uh, a way of thinking about those kinds of things to break it down and decide? I think we might have a bias panel here because I'm pretty sure all of you work in code. That's, yes. Yeah. Okay. So just we're biased. To be, just to be clear. Okay. I like for me, I guess like if I'm if I want to learn something new, like I was doing um, a lot of native work this past year, um, which I had kind of done a little bit, but like honestly not that much. And um, like I thought that that was like a good time to learn. Um, like a prototyping tool. Um, like I learned Quartz Composer and like started getting into that. And it's like, instead of just taking all this time outside of work to learn something, I like tried to work it into my day to day. And like, you know, it took a while. There's like certainly a learning curve, Quartz but like, Composer has the biggest learning curve in the oh world. Oh my God. It's it's really it was bad. overwhelming, but it was also really satisfying. Like once I kind of got the hang of it, but like the next time I work on something native, like I don't know if I will use it, but it was nice to take the time like at work to, work it into my process and see if it fit. And I think like that is maybe one of the ways to like help with the anxiety, totally. the overwhelming anxiety of how many things there are. Totally. Yeah. For me, it's purely what do I need to know to build the thing that I want to build? Um, and since, you know, I'm always kind of like thinking of products that I want to exist, it's just like, cool. Like if this is a VR product then I'm going to have to learn, how to design 3D UI and how to code 3D UI and like all the stuff that's associated with that. You don't want to just learn a technology. You want to learn it because you have to build it like right then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, which I mean is, is kind of a different way to go about it. Like I know that there are definitely people that are just like, this thing's really cool. I want to learn how to make stuff for this thing. Um, and that definitely doesn't future proof me, but in a way it's kind of satisfying because I never really worry about all the things that are out there until I have to. Right. Um, there might that, be that's, I, that's kind of a way of keeping myself sane, I guess. <laughs> I used to look at learning as something you did for its own sake. And then I realized it's kind of like that one time I bought a camera. So I would learn photography and then let it sit on my shelf. Forever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of things that you can do to like try to, you know, one of the apps that I want to build is around like learning and learning meth meth methodologies. But, um, there's a lot of like kind of like consumerism inherent in learning. Like I want to buy the best camera. I want to buy mm -hmm. the best like this or that or the whatever, too. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to use that thing or that you need that thing. And you know, sometimes it like I bought an OP one, the little synthesizer thing. Teenage engineering. Yeah. It's beautiful. And I wanted to learn how to use it, but it's got like, probably a learning curve that's harder than quartz composer it's insane it's really crazy um but it it just sits there right and like one day i'm sure that i'll pick it up and do it but absent of that reason for learning how to use it i don't right um and so you, i i'm a big believer in that you need that kind of like motivation in order to really like apply and like kind of do it every single day 
Um, cause that's really what it takes to learn something. It's like doing it a little bit, even if it's like 10 or 15 minutes every single day for a really long time. Um, and for me personally, like without that reason for doing it, like I almost definitely fall off at some point. It does. I don't know when, but, but yeah. Well, you mentioned you learned HTML and CSS for LiveJournal. Yeah, which was like a super important reason to learn CSS, I think. <laughs> did, did you expand beyond that? Or was there an impetus for you designing beyond that? Or developing beyond that? Um, like or, beyond HTML and CSS? Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't done a ton beyond HTML and CSS. Like I can kind of edit JavaScript files a bit. Um, like I can, when I was at Kickstarter, like they use Ruby. And so I was like, able to like prototype in rails a bit but um i don't know i feel like i've had such like close collaboration with the engineers that i've worked with that you know i haven't necessarily been in a position where it was super important for me to learn another web technology but you know i'm open to it i think yeah like i was saying i guess it you know maybe depends on the situation or if i was put in that position um i absolutely would but i guess i've gone pretty far mostly just on HTML and CSS, which is interesting. And then one last question related to that. Do you use Quartz Composer today? No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Origami. Use origami. Well, don't, don't do it. It's, worth, it's not worth your time. Use the plugin. Well, yeah, I was using origami, but... Okay, good. Yeah, no, I wasn't just like straight up Quartz Composer. Thank God. But <laughs> okay. Use origami if you're using yeah. Quartz Composer. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me... Like I don't know. I've I've tried to learn a lot of things. Like I bought two React books. I have like Discover Meteor. I have like a bunch of other courses that I've just bought. I like buying things and not using them. <laughs> Is that inherent consumerism? Yeah. yeah it's I've true. been pay- I've been paying for a gym for like three years. I mean, <laughs> that always happens. Yeah, not happening. Um yeah, I, I just nothing really took off. Like I was actually thinking of, you know, how I'll learn React is I'll build a, an app to crowdsource what I should learn next. I was thinking of like that's my first React app, and then I just didn't do anything. That's so meta. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Um, so like I, I think intr- my intrinsic motivation, like something's off with that. It doesn't really work. It's because um, you planned everything out. Yeah, I have to plan <laughs> everything out. Like why design robots when we can be robots? Um, Design a robot to plan it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Can you do that for me? I, I won't do that. In five years. That's cool. where I'm going to be in five years. <laughs> um, but I think like but the external motivation is really useful for me. So what I've been learning a lot lately is management. So I've been reading a ton of books um, and been talking to a ton of people and like really trying to get better at it because I have this team and they rely on me to like work. Um, and I love that team. And so I want to make sure that I'm the best manager I can possibly be. Right. So it's not for me, it's for other people. And that makes me actually do stuff. Great answer. Uh, we've got a little bit of time. We wanted to open it up to questions that any of you might have. Um, so I'll bring the mic to you if you just like want to raise your hand. Um, it will be recorded. So it'll go on the show. If you don't guys mess want, it up, don't mess it up. But if you want to have a question on the show and, and question for anyone up here, you can. No typos. Uh, you can even ask Bryn about motorcycles if you want. Um, he'll nerd out about it. But yeah, if you want to ask a question, raise your hand and I can bring the mic to you. Hi. Um, earlier you were asked about um, uh, being mentored. Um, have any of you 
mentored other people and um, what did you think was like, what did you learn from that experience? I'm kind of in the process of like starting to mentor someone. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if like I can completely answer that person, but there, I always try to help younger designers when I can through like, sometimes it's really just like asking like, what do you need? And then giving them an answer. Like, this is how I would do this thing. Um, and like, so the, the, the email that I mentioned before that I got a couple days ago is like someone that kind of thinks that they're a product designer and like, isn't really sure. Like they've been doing like all sorts of different things. What does it take much beyond thinking you're a product designer? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, like I've been, I've, I've been kind of trying to like distill what this person's question to me is, but it's really just like, you know, being patient with people and like figuring out what it is that they need to know and what it is that will help them like take whatever their next step is um, and kind of helping them through that process. Right. I, I almost said like holding their hand, but it's really about letting their hand go. Right. Because um, if you hold their hand through the whole thing, then they're just going to rely on you. But the goal is to actually create the confidence in someone so that they can go out and like make these decisions on their own um, while still having someone that they can like ask tough questions or like, Hey, like I'm in a rut because a B or C happened. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I haven't really been in like a long-term mentor relationship with people. Like I guess if I get emailed, um, mentor Jackson dating, laughing, <laughs> <laughs> complicated um <laughs> i haven't been in like a position like that um like if someone emails me and wants to get coffee or has like a bunch of random questions like i always answer that um because i think you should um but it hasn't really been like a recurring situation with the same person but i it's funny that you asked that i did just get emailed like a week ago uh by a former boss um, who has like a young product designer. She's the only product designer at the company and she's in like Southwest Virginia. So there aren't, there's not like a thriving product design community there. Um, so I'm talking to her next week and I'll let you know. <laughs> um, I've, I think I've mentored a bunch of people um, in different things. So some people in like how to build your portfolio, right? And what to try and do because I've had some success there. Um, and some people in design. You wrote a uh, big thing about that, which we'll put in the show notes. Sorry? You wrote a thing about that. Oh, yeah. Which we'll put in the show Did notes. Did I? Remote mentorship. You said how I got hired by DigitalOcean, right? Maybe. Maybe I did. I don't oh, know. It's, <laughs> on your, it's on your website. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> we looked. Oh, my, Joel, my we website looked. was hacked. So it's like someone hacked my website and put blog posts on there. <laughs> um, wrote meaningful design content. <laughs> <laughs> I also, um, I took part in this thing um, Andreessen Horowitz did, which was like design generations kind of thing. And they just took a bunch of portfolio companies and found designers like, do you want to mentor this student in how to do stuff? Um, and I was like, okay, I don't know exactly what I'd say, but fine. And we just talked once a month. And I think something when you're mentoring, you find that you know stuff. You know, like you never think you know anything, but someone asks you a question and you're oh, like, hey. oh, I know, actually know the answer to this. Um <laughs> But like beforehand, you're like, I actually don't know anything. Please don't ask me stuff because I easy questions only, please. Softball. Yeah, and I've <laughs> I've been um, I've been mentoring um, one of my designers who's a fantastic UI designer, and he's really interested in getting into product and UX. And like, so I've been kind of teaching him how to do it, giving him the right stuff. 
Um, I actually just learned the difference yesterday between mentorship and coaching. Does anyone know what that is? Is this a semantics thing? No. Well, maybe, yes. Uh, like, of course it is. Um, <laughs> um, actually, so we, I just started management training yesterday, which we have like six weeks. Every, like, every week you have two hours on a different thing. And um, I was really excited that I know this now, the difference between management and coaching, because it's super important. Wait, you said mentorship and coaching before. You know what? <laughs> yeah, the difference between mentorship and coaching. So mentorship is when you kind of tell someone what they should do, right? And like you have to be an expert and you give them that experience and information, right? So if someone's like an amazing manager, I can go to them for mentorship. Coaching, kind of anyone can do, right? You don't have to even know anything about the field because you lead someone on with questions. You basically like help them help themselves. Um, And I think I like coaching more. I mean, obviously each thing has its place, but coaching is kind of like, teach a person to fish because you're like teaching people how to think and teaching people that they can do something themselves. And, um, I'm a big fan of that. I don't think I've done much of that, but I'm really excited. That that really excites me, I guess, to start doing that. That's exactly how I think about mentorship. So, so that's coaching. So not according (laughs) to dictionary. Thank you. (laughs) I wrote a post about it. It includes the definition. Coach Bryn. You put it on my site. (laughs) (laughs) Cross-site scripting. Yes. What's the what's the password? <laughs> it's, it's password. <laughs> uh, anyone else want to ask a question? Uh, yeah. This actually just happened to me. I literally just walked off, like quit a job two hours ago. Whoa! Congratulations. <laughs> that is it's okay. I have another job already lined up that I start next week, so it's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, exactly. Well, no, that's not why. So this is my question. No, it's much more. Yeah, we're hiring, by the way, if anyone's. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Uh, no, um, so have, you, have any of you guys been in a situation where, and this is a situation I was in, where it's just so apparent that you know more than your boss and you're trying to help them and you kind of try to like suggest things, but you don't want to be insulting to them, but they don't listen to you and they continue to the same mistakes. And so I just said, fine, that's it. And I just left. But so have you guys ever been in that position and how did you handle it? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, great call leaving. Um, I've, I've hiring. What? I've actually never been in that position. I mean, I've always had really good relationships with my bosses and, if you don't, I mean, you should try and fix that, I think, and find a way to communicate. Um, but, I mean, if you can't, then it's it's probably a pretty shitty job. Like, Careful answering this one, Jessica. <laughs> is my boss here? Your boss is in the room. <laughs> it's Jason. No. Um, yeah, I guess I haven't really been in that situation. I mean, I've been in a position where I've disagreed heavily with my boss, but I don't think it was maybe for because I thought that they like that I was smarter than them, I guess. I think it was, you know, we just didn't see eye to eye and I've like left places because of that. Um, with, you know, again, which is like super important if you're in that position, like, you know, I think you have to try really hard to see if you can make a change or maybe you just don't understand something or like see their perspective. Uh, like I think, it's super important to work on that. But at the same time, like if you're putting all of your emotional energy into that, you know, that's not healthy. So actually I want to go off that real quick. And that's, <laughs> I would look you in the eye, but my microphone's this way. Uh, I've thought several times, I've made the mistake of thinking several times that I was smarter than my boss. And it really came down to 
they were working on keeping me paid, like keeping my paycheck coming. And I was working on like user focused experience. I was like, no, this is the right way to do it. And I was convinced that it was the right way to do it. But he was just trying to raise more money and he needed to do the thing that investors wanted right now. And then we would go to that user experience. Thing. So it was like delayed intelligence. Well, it's like I, perspective. I yeah. Think. I would probably add to uh, maybe the situation was really bad and, and unsolvable. But I think part of our jobs as designers is to educate non-designers about what we're doing. I think a lot of people look at designers screwing around in Sketch or drawing in our notebooks. And they're like, what do you actually do? Like... You, do you, you deliver a sketch asset and they're like, it took you weeks to do this and it doesn't make any sense. So I think I think part of our jobs is to to teach people that don't understand uh, how much work goes into that one screenshot or one file. And if if people don't understand that, then they probably don't value your work as a designer as much. And if you can teach them that, I think you build a stronger relationship with the people who are like paying you money and uh, are responsible for for helping you kind of move up and take more responsibility. So, yeah, I think I think the thing that so the thing that I was going to add was that it really all comes down to communication. Um, it's definitely a situation where I found myself in before, not necessarily because I thought I was smarter than my boss, but because my analytical brain came up with a solution that I knew was going to happen, and usually it did. But that's that's beyond the point. Um, but it's it's really about like figuring out like what is the best way to communicate with this human being and kind of how do I adjust the way that I communicate to kind of like get them on the same page. And it's definitely true that sometimes it's 100% not possible due to all sorts of issues, right? It could be because, you know, like they really don't know what they're talking about or it could be because they're focusing on like keeping you paid and you're focusing on keeping users happy. Um, and all the, like any potential like mutation of that is valid, but um, I'm reading a book right now about nonviolent communication and a lot of it is with It's a fantastic book. Um, a lot of it, like, you know, I've been reading it and a lot of it is like very, um, kind of like emotional wishy-washy kind of bullshit, but it's actually like really valid, right? Like when you actually think about the things that people want, like, and like what they need out of a conversation, like a lot of it's like, there, there are passages that I read and I'm just like, there's no way I've ever done that before. Like I know situations where I did the thing that he's telling me not to do. Human brains are the worst. Yeah, oh, it's awful. Um, but I, I do think that a lot of it is like about like communicating and figuring out like what is the common thread between me and this other person and like how do we figure out how to um, talk to each other about like this work and like the things that we're doing on a way that like we can, you know, sometimes sometimes agreeing to disagree is fine, but like at least having that conversation in a way that um, you can come to a conclusion that you know, the other person isn't like upset about, right? Like if you leave a meeting and you're upset, like it's the worst possible thing that can happen, I think. Um, um, just adding on to that, like I read a book too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, I, I, I'm actually reading it right now. I don't it's know a really good book. I'm yeah. on chapter like No, nonviolence is great, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm reading another book called um, Crucial Accountability, which is also about having conversations. Um, Wait, what was the first crucial word? accountability um, and it has just like a whole thing about usually accountability discussions or any kind of like 
you know, uh, uneasy discussions, like discussions that don't feel good. Um, you you sometimes have the tendency, or I, I mean, I think it's a basic human tendency to assume the worst about the person you're talking to, right? Not to say like, oh, you know what? The situation brought this on. It's like you were saying they were trying to like get you paid. You think like this person's an asshole, right? And like everyone does that, right? Everyone's just like, you know, this person disagrees with me all the time. They're probably an asshole. Um, and actually like there's, so the, the book has a thing that's called like paint the entire story. And that's thinking about, you know, if this person had good intentions, what could explain this behavior? And I think that's really powerful. And I think that's true. I think most people have good intentions and most people think they're doing the right thing. Um, and if you come at a conversation with the attitude of like, you know what, this person disagrees with me all the time, but maybe it's because they have a different outlook and like they're not trying to be argumentative and come at it from that angle. And I think it's easier to kind of create yeah. good communication. It's really important to just remember that the other person is a human being. And like, it's just like any variety of things could be contributing to them feel like having an argument with you or not agreeing with you. Like could be that like they're going through a breakup or something. Right. Or like, it could be that like their car got towed and like, you can't ever know, but you always have to like kind of approach the situation with that empathy that like, there could be some, like, it might not be that they don't agree with me. It might just be that, like, they need to vent or something, right? And, like, there's not really any value in them venting in, like, a work conversation. But mm -hmm. Yeah, unless they're a robot. Unless they're a robot. And it could also be that they just make really bad decisions. That's fully yeah, valid. No, that is true. It's totally valid. Uh, we got time for one more question. Saw one in the front. I know you had a Oh, there's a few hands coming up. Can we make time, oh, buddy? We can make time. That's on sale. We can do two. So I, I want to go back to the, the different motivations about learning things. So Joe talked about um, using external motivation as a way of forcing yourself to learn a thing. Um, and then you were talking about just you know finding it in a creative way so you can inject it into work. So I was I, wondering what, whether Justin had any any framework of like how to find that motivation. Because like, you, you say you have a lot of ideas, so how do you pick one out of out of the, the leader i mean so for me i have ideas about stupid stuff all the time um and it's really like a filtering thing it's like cool i'd really like to make this thing but is this more important than this other thing that i've been thinking about for a while um so for example the thing that the the app that i'm working on now which is probably the app that i would start a company quote unquote with um was something that I really just came up with because I wanted to a be better at like keeping myself accountable for side projects, but also b I wanted to like make something that I would have to touch a lot of different technologies for. So it's like cool. I would need to do iOS for this. I could potentially learn Android for it. I would have to like manage the server. I would have to build the web app. Um, I have to do the design work. Like there's a bunch of like philosophies I have around like design having to be fun and like. Also, all sorts of things like that, but it was really at its core about like how do I kind of keep myself accountable and how do I kind of motivate myself um, distilled into like application form. Um, and I think that there's a lot of different like things that any given person can build. I always try to skew myself towards things that like aren't things yet right like i could build a photo app 
like it would be easy. I would learn iOS, but like I'm not really adding any value to the world by building a photo app. Um, and so it's hard and it, it definitely doesn't always come easy, but it's like, how do I learn the things that I want to learn while also like adding something to the world that doesn't necessarily exist yet? Um, on, on the, the last time I talked with these guys, I was talking a lot about like designing things with impact, finding like hunting down, like really difficult problems. Um, and like, there's really nothing stopping any of us in this room from like going to like some city council meeting and like figuring out like what the people in New York, like that are like essentially like running New York need, like what would make your lives easier and then making that right. Like, everyone in this room has the capability of doing that and like finding an engineer friend or like learning how to code something and like finding the data or like going down to the the mayor's office and like getting the data or whatever. And like that writing a Python terrible. trip. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is terrible, but I mean like at the end of the day, like the thing that you make, you you feel a lot more enriched for making like that kind of thing as opposed to I'm going to make, you know, a sticker app. Or, or a photo app or something like that, you know, like, because, you know, like there, there's a value in communication tools, but there's also a shit ton of communication tools and like photo apps and like all this different stuff. Um, and I don't know if I really answered your question, but. I, I think you were saying that like, that's stuff that hits multiple things and it's also fulfills this higher, higher yeah. need on, on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really just like a logical exercise and like, here are all of these things that I could make, which one makes the most sense right now. Um, given, you know, what I want to do, what the market needs, um, what I want to learn. Um, and it's really just like comparing each one. Like my brain literally works like a sort, a sort algorithm where it's like, I compare each pair and then I'm like, cool, the winners, I compare those. And then like, until I get like the answer that I feel is acceptable. And so for me, it's really just like always keeping my eyes open and like looking for problems that I know that I can solve um, and then trying to solve them. And then like, you know, like I learn things from that. Cool. One more Hopefully. question. Um, I have two questions. <laughs> very she got you. Questions. She's doing so, the Brian method. <laughs> Six questions at once. Go. Okay. So first question is for three guests. I would like to hear what's your aha moment when you hear um, some of the episodes of this show. <laughs> nice. Did you guys plan her? <laughs> <laughs> and then my second question is for two hosts. Since you guys interview so many designers over the past year, I would like to know what's like the most important one thing you've learned during this whole process of interviewing so many amazing designers. Thank you. You guys first. <laughs> <laughs> you two first. Um, <laughs> you first. Can I, I'm going to say when I was listening to Justin's episode. Oh no. <laughs> what have I she done? She did her research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it was like an aha moment necessarily, but I found myself when you were talking about the importance of like writing in portfolios and like articulating problems and, you know, this like need or like the perceived lack of need for like a whole portfolio as a product designer. Like, and you were talking about the importance of writing and articulating and the importance that that like brings to you as a 
designer and not necessarily for like external people. I, I was like nodding in my like living room uh, <laughs> over and over. So like that like totally stood out to me. So thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that I could be of service in some way. Um, I don't listen to podcasts at all. I actually knew this answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, like, yes. When you were asking this, I was like, yeah. "Not yours <laughs> specifically. <laughs> actually, none." Um, yeah, like I've got them all on my phone, but I just never <laughs> ever listen to them. So there's that. So you can you can ask me like a bonus question afterwards uh, <laughs> that I can answer. But do you have a voucher for that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> He's got a card. <laughs> <laughs> One free question. One question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, totally blanking right now. I love the part where I couldn't find an answer and you guys never invited me back. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> is this future? This is real. Talking? I'm trying to he confuse you guys. I don't, I don't have an idea. I like, yeah, I like this moment. <laughs> okay. You got it. One, yeah. pers- one person, in the, one person in the room. We're Harley on the was same here. Page yeah. right now. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. You saved this. Ish. First, you you saved mind. it. Ish. But it's literally just been how open like everyone is to meeting people and sharing their experiences, which has been really cool because I didn't think people would be accessible. But like today, I got to go hang out at Tobias Frere Jones's office, and I've looked up to him forever. And he's he designs all my favorite typefaces, and he's just like, "Yeah, cool. Let's do that." Like it's amazing. Uh, my answer is maybe a little bit longer. Uh, it always is. Always is. I'm, if you listen to the show, I'm very wordy and say dumb things. Uh, a lot of the questions that we asked tonight are, are about like how you got started and how you think of, uh, solving problems and becoming a designer and even just being a designer. Uh, and I think that's really important because design is becoming way more of a thing for a lot of young people. Uh, I think the next few years, we're just going to see more and more people at this exact same phase. Like design is a thing. Look at all these awesome products. How do I make those? I think that's just going to keep escalating and escalating. And so the point of asking these questions is to illustrate that there is no one way. Uh, So at this point, we've chatted with a hundred people on the show, maybe people I've looked up to for years that like made me want to be a designer. And the amazing thing is every single one of them took a different path. There is no formula. It's about working hard, talking to people, being nice. Uh, that's what's going to get you jobs. It's what's going to like open uh, doors for you. So I think that's my answer is just meeting a hundred people probably is every single person got to where they are, like a successful designer building badass products. Uh, a totally different way. Like there is no formula. And uh, it was funny. We joked this morning, uh, Bryn and, and Randy are going to start a podcast called It Depends because basically the answer to every design question is it depends. Should like, designers code? Should designers code? It depends. Should designer prototype? It depends. Should you use Sketch or Photoshop? It depends. Yeah, actually, Over. any question ever. The answer any that question ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two plus two? Right. And we're done. <laughs> Thank Sorry. you to you guys for doing this, especially you two last minute. Like, I think you guys agreed to come on today or late last night. So I really appreciate that. And thank you all for being here. This is amazing. And we've never done this before. Thank you to Etsy for the space, the drinks. I think there's some more beer back there. Aaron, the snacks. You're the man. Uh, for orchestrating this and, and letting us chat. This was awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank cool. you. Thanks. Thank you.
big thanks to Etsy and Jessica and Joel and Justin for hanging out with us. It's a lot of J's. Yes. Thank you so much to everyone that came out to our first live meetup. Uh, that was awesome. That was in New York City at the Etsy offices. Thank you once again to Etsy for hosting us and the crew at Etsy for organizing the whole thing. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, uh, join our Slack team. That's at spec.fm slash Slack. Whenever we do more live events, we'll let everyone in there know first and put tickets there first. Our next show will most likely be in San Francisco. So get on in there if you want to learn more or follow us on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Before we go, huge thanks to the two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, thanks once again to Dropbox for sponsoring. Uh, Dropbox is the simplest way to work the way that you want. That's, I mean, that's pretty simple, right? Uh, they'll you work however you want with any kind of file on any kind of device from wherever in the world that you are and with anyone you choose. So you don't have to worry about any of that backend stuff. You can just start building things. You can go check them out and get started at dropbox.com. Thank you once again to Dropbox. Huge thank you once again to Wayno. Wayno is a full service digital agency operating in San Francisco and New York. They are sponsoring this podcast because they like the show and they want you, anyone that's listening to the show, to just know about them. They are cranking out world-class design work for companies like Medium, Airbnb, and Dropbox, and they're hiring. If you need a job at one of the world's best agencies, go to wayno.co. That's U-E-N-O. Co. Tell them that we sent you. Huge thank you once again, Wayno, for sponsoring the show. And we'll see you next week with Charlie Waite.